Thanks for joining us this week for I Read Comic Books. Due to a power outage caused by some unforeseen weather conditions, or possibly a hillbilly with a chainsaw, we're not exactly sure, we were unable to record this week's episode. In place of our regular show, we have a fantastic, spoiler-filled minisode all about the first volume of the infamous comic series Bone by Jeff Smith. We'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming in a week's time. See you then! This is the I Read Comic Books podcast, and I'm your host, Nick White. This week we are doing a very special mini-sode surrounding the book Bone, or more correctly, the first volume of Bone, which is known as Out from Bonesville, uh, by Jeff Smith. Uh, joining me in this venture is Kate Scotchless. Hello. There's Kate, um, obviously. I mean, who else did you think that was? <laughs> it's just who the random it? other female <laughs> that we have the recording with us. Yeah, <laughs> They're calling from inside the house. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, it's, it's Kate, uh, It's everyone, been a long day, so. man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're telling me. Um, so that being said, we're going to be reading Bone. This book was recommended to us by Xander. It's one of Xander's favorites. Uh, It's something that he had been pushing really hard on Kate. And when Kate told me that that was what was happening, I thought to myself, oh my goodness, that was that huge, huge book Xander bought back when we were in high school. And the front cover looked really exciting. And then I opened it up and the rest of it was in black and white. And uh, I began to wonder if Xander's book needed to be returned. Uh, (laughs) Xander, the front looks great. What happened? Is that why it's so cheap? Please tell me you grew out of that. No, uh, Color or Nothing, pretty much, uh, is is the name of the game these days. Casablanca, not for me. No, thank you. No, I'm I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Okay, good. So that being said, uh, let's let's begin by talking about uh, what Bone is. Uh, it obviously, like I said, it's a sort of a long graphic novel that was released in, um, I think the term was, uh, irregular releases from 1991 to 2004, uh, which made up 55 total issues. Um, I believe somewhere in the twenties and thirties image comics took over the publishing for about eight issues, uh, when I think he was trying to get widespread attention. But then it went back to Smith's own imprint, which I think is Cartoon Books, uh, for the remainder of the run. Uh, so he's been doing this book for a real, real long time. Uh, or did. It's been give... wrapped for a long time, too. Yeah, this is true. It's been wrapped. He, he went ahead and did some, like, you know, epilogue stuff, and there's been some one-shots, and I literally think there's another one-shot coming down the road, oh, along cool. with a, oh, yeah, along with a Bone movie that apparently has been kicking around forever. What? Yeah, yeah. Kicking around is 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 correct because if you look, he uh, he uh, does not want this to end up in in the wrong hands, which I guess yeah, I get. it could go really badly. Uh, what else? It was also a video game. I mean, yeah, I read it under the Scholastic imprint, so it's all oh, over yeah. the place now. Yeah, so that that really helped the sales as well. They uh, they colorized it um, a couple years ago, and they've been slowly redoing the volumes uh, in that form under the Scholastic Graphics, that's P-H-I-X, yeah, imprint for the kiddos who who don't function unless there's, like, you know, Mountain Dew amp sponsorship of anything, so. (laughs) Graphics. But, 
yeah. yeah it's hardcore guys uh, tony hawk will endorse it at some point <laughs> um but it's it's gotten a lot of accolades like i said it did turn into or will turn into a movie it's been you know colorized and and reformatted and republished and um telltale games did an episodic uh video game on it years and years ago before they got big with the whole walking dead thing yeah oh man i'll have to check Um, that out they had a really good uh game of thrones game yeah this is kind of maybe before they really really hit their stride so i don't know how great it is but this is i read comic books and not i play video games so i won't get into (laughs) that one too much um uh, I mean, beyond that, Time Magazine called it, quote, one of the best graphic novels of all time. It's probably also one of the only graphic novels of all time that Time has read, so who knows how to read into that one. Um, but they apparently Burn thought it was... Yeah, time. Take that Time Magazine. Oh, dunk! Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we're going to put Donald Trump on the cover again just for that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, a better uh, recommendation, I think, are, there, there's a lot of awards, but for me, the one that sealed it when I was like, what is this crazy yeah. thing Xander's pitching, um, was Neil Gaiman uh, shouts to the high heavens Yeah, it, it, it's won 10 Eisner's and 11 Harvey Awards, and I really don't know of anything else that has even gotten close to that. I mean, it, it helps when you're releasing yeah, book no, over that's two decades. Yeah, especially yeah. something that's all one but, person. Uh, yeah, and beyond that, you know, Matt Groening said, "I love Bone. Bone is great." Which, I mean, I guess when you think about it, Matt Groening knows a thing or two about stretching a simplistic drawing style over multiple decades to make lots of money. So, Groening would know what he's talking about. Um, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm just kidding. I mean, uh, we'll, we'll we'll get into this, but, but Bone style is is a little. It's a little bit minimalist. Yeah, I'm. I'm. You know what? When you take your pull you're quotes and you put them on the front of the book, uh, you're 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 subject to more criticism in uh, in Nick White's eyes than if you're willing to just sort of let them sit on the back and let me just comfortably reach them at my own you know at my own leisure. When you throw them on the front, it's like here's the title of the book and here's what people think, and it's like I will decide what people th- think. Or, I mean, by people, I mean me. Anyway, um, <laughs> Nick, uh, you've been recording for six minutes. What is this book about? <laughs> I don't even have a clue. That's fair. Nick White, thought influencer. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Kate, do you want to do you want to sort of get into what what this book's story <laughs> entails? Sure. I just cut you cut off this rambling downhill slide. Yeah. Oh, I, I I don't know if it's downhill. I think it's uphill. It's just mm-hmm. a very treacherous, you mm-hmm. know, three diamond climb. So. Okay, so to couch it in kind of the fantasy terms that we're all familiar with, right? So you know that whole uh, fantasy trope of there's a whole you know fantasy world just through the veil, and in a lot of cases it's over the mountains or across the sea. In this case, it's across the desert. Through a wardrobe. Um, so think. Yeah, exactly. There's lots and lots of instances of this fantasy yeah. trope. So Wizard of Oz, Lost Horizon. Um, so anyway, in this case, we have our Bones from Bonesville, which if you have seen any of these in your little memory, you're thinking like, I know what a bone looks like. It's this little cartoon guy. I'm like, well, I'm, it looks funny to us, but in the cartoon, they're basically the humans and from the real, you know, the modern world that you and I live in. And then they go, th- they go across the desert and find themselves in this fantasy world. And then the other big fantasy trope that comes into play is the whole the dark is rising concept, 
where there's a vast omnipresent evil threat over a world that through the story starts, uh, it starts out vague, but becomes more and more felt and more and more well-defined until by the end you have, at least of volume one, you have your, who your, you know, your Sauron of this series is. At least, wait, to be clear, I've only read one volume, so who knows if the hooded yeah. one turns into... Who knows if he's just you know, a patsy, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's um, just the third tier. He's middle management evil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Could be anything. Could, he could be basically the gray wizard, We don't know, or the white wizard, we don't know. So anyway, so the bones go across the desert, find themselves in fantasy world, and promptly get split up. And you have three of them, they're cousins. One is Phone... One is phony. Phone with an F, phony with a PH. If you read the comic, yeah, yeah, PH, and we're going to refer to them as PH is always the phony, even though in the comic, sometimes phone with an F also gets called phony. Well, no, no, no. It's that phony with a PH sometimes gets called phone. Phone. So both end up being phone, which is why phony will be. Which is fine when you're reading it. It begs the question of why. He must have really loved these names or something like unwilling to part with these names because literally I spent five minutes going, wait, hold on. So, okay, so that's his full name. Wait, how am I supposed to pronounce oh, this? Oh, see, I didn't how have I any trouble at all. This? So they're both phone now? They're both phone. Why are they both phone? I must be pronouncing one of these wrong. See, I took it more as a f- phone bone is like they're two sides of nature of this uh, kind of, of a character where phone bone is the good nature and phony bone is the kind of evil selfish nature. Um, and then smiley bone is the other cousin, which doesn't have the same name, making him significantly easier to talk about on a podcast. <laughs> and he's also just flat out sort of string bean tall, whereas right. phone and phony bone are literally separated by one of them. Not being unwilling to take off shirt. his t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. So. so that's another thing that made me be like, these are basically two sides of character, right? One's the good guy, one's the angel on the shoulder and one's the devil on the shoulder. So they get run out of Bonesville because Phony concocts some financial scam. I'm not remembering right now. They had they have laundry lists of the things he's done and they're funny. Well, he was running for mayor. He was yeah, running for mayor. And that went south. I thought south. he did something like he built an orphanage on a toxic waste yeah, heap or something. Yeah, it was multiple yeah, things, yeah. yeah. So anyway, they get run out of town, get separated, and the bulk of the first volume is following Phone. Um, and he comes across um, some characters that help him on his way. Again, think very Hobbit-esque, right? And then um, he finally finds Thorn, and, that, and she starts helping him find the rest of the cousins. I loved it. Like, I am so in love with Phone Bone that by halfway through the reading um, volume one, I'm like on Amazon looking for if if I can purchase a, f- a Phone Bone figurine for my desk, right? Like, and <laughs> no, I'm not one of those people who has a figurine for everything. I have one very modest shelf of them. I have maybe six characters. So that's a big deal. He's just so lovable. It sounds like you've got it he, under control. I do. Yeah. And this is what I like my what I whisper <laughs> to myself as I search Amazon. Yeah. I totally have it under yeah. control. This is not a problem. You're just um. like, as long as they all fit on one shelf, it's okay. They're just increasingly crammed yeah. in there with, you know, it's, it's Delta economy class style. Yeah. Yeah. Books and comics, though, not under control. It's, it's getting rough. Um, but anyway... I, he is just drawn in such a way that is so lovable, and his character is so sweet, and without being like sickly sweet, 
But yeah. the biggest thing, well, he, he I've heard um, people refer to him, uh, to Jeff Smith, Smith is very Carl Barks-esque, which I think is spot on. Carl Barks, if you don't know the name, was the guy who uh, drew Daffy Duck for a long, or sorry, not, was it Daffy? Was it Donald? Crap. It was the duck guy. Uh, it was Scrooge. Hold on. It was Uncle Scrooge. Well, he, Scrooge yeah, he created that character, yeah. too. yeah. That's the one he created, but he drew the other for forever. Yeah, Donald Duck. Okay, sorry, guys. Got my ducks confused. Um, Get your ducks in a row. <laughs> oh, that one was right there for you. I yeah, set well, that up. Um, sorry. <laughs> if, it, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck. It's, it's true. Oh, insert yeah. topical political reference here. Oh, um, boy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I think that's spot on, where his... The character is very endearing, the way it's illustrated. The joke pacing and timing is perfect to the point where I can't think of another comic I've read that always did it so well. And I think that feeds into one of the things you wrote about in the notes, Nick, where um, you talk about how he has an animation background, which makes it all make so much more sense, how he could do all this. Yeah, he actually also studied animation when he was at Ohio State, which I won't hold uh, against him. And um, <laughs> and yeah, he actually went into animation, I believe it was following college, immediately he was doing uh, animation, and uh, maybe I'm completely pulling this out of my ass or a fever dream, but I think he said that he had actually gotten some major <laughs> clients, including I think even a Wendy's commercial, just watches This Is Wrong, and then people are like, where did he come up with that? But I think that's what I read somewhere. Um, but that he didn't... I was eating Wendy's and it just came to yeah, me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and... Um, <laughs> Uh, I mean, there's a real opportunity for a sponsorship slash me, you know, getting Wendy's down our, you know, breathing down our necks. But um, yeah, I guess he really didn't like all of the, like, animation obviously requires, and especially back then when a lot of the shortcuts weren't um, as easily available, it requires a lot of, like, very slow, methodical, you know, stuff. And he really didn't like that, I guess. And so he stopped. And, and then I think Bone shortly followed after that. And yeah, if, if you look at Bone, it, I mean, you can tell he's from an animation background because Bone looks like an early Steamboat Willie-esque kind of um, very nondescript figure of sorts. You know, he's got an interesting shape, you know, and, you know, he's bipedal and whatnot, but, um, you know, really just on top of that, you've got some eyebrows and some eyes and whatnot just thrown on, on top of it, and that's that's basically it. And of course... It means that he's not super detailed, but it does allow for a very wide range of, you know, emotion and, and you know, emoting. And, and I think that that serves this book really well. My only complaint with Bone as a, as a character um, from like a, from a structural design standpoint uh, is that when you actually start to meet and like minor spoilers, but honestly, this is like halfway through book one, so whatever. Well, when, and usually we these are full spoilers. Yeah, the yeah, yeah exactly, books, so. exactly. When when you start to encounter quote unquote, I guess what I would call real humans in this book. I don't know if that's what we're still going to call them here, but I'll just call them humans. Uh, it reaches that weird moment of like, okay, I recognize those things. Those are people. So what is bone now? And I guess he's a a bone technically. He's a bone. But then from I was Bonesville. like, what does that mean now? There are actual real people in this book. So, like, Bone is not, like, a stylized counterpart to humans. It's, like, 
something other uh and i don't i don't even know then i was like biologically like how does bone work and from you know i was like from a zoological standpoint how do we classify bone now and i'm like nick calm down just keep reading the book <laughs> for me i took it as like they ba- he basically looks like a hunk of clay that got sculpted into a little vaguely humanoid shape right the, all the bones yeah do. sure and yeah between especially between him and phony they seemed like basically blank slates right to tell a story around and for readers to project themselves onto and so he's this very sweet little thing kind of like a pixar kind of cartoon where you just see it and you want to squeeze it because it's so wonderful the rounded head reminds me of oh man what is the name of the robot from hitchhiker's guide um whatever whatever the paranoid android yeah he's got that sort of big oversized rounded head uh, dome and I just for some reason that's what always came to mind for me was was uh was him so <laughs> that's, uh, Al- he's pathologically depressed what about <laughs> well the, okay. I mean you said it's about projecting so I it's mean it's true oh no Nick <laughs> we gotta get you some help okay oh man um, <laughs> too real but uh um no, I, I really like how this book manages to do less with more. Like I mentioned, it's not it's not in color. It's literally just pencils and inks. And it was clearly pencils and inks in a time where that was neither in favor nor the necessity. Um, you know, this was right around the time, you know, when Image was starting up and whatnot and everyone was getting more hardcore and more gritty and more, yeah, more guns, 90s, more muscles, right? more pouches. And and Bone was like, "Hi, I'm just gonna go on this nice quest." And everyone's like, "You're not hardcore enough." But um, interestingly enough, even though <laughs> Bone wasn't anything like any of those other sort of books of the day, um, Jeff Smith was actually inspired to really make a go of this when he saw how successful um, books like Watchmen and The Dark Knight Rise. Um, I can never get this right. The Dark Knight Returns, Returns. The, yeah. the Frank Miller series. When he saw that some of these, yeah, when he saw how some of these more serious uh, graphic novel esque kind of standalone tales were were being received, um, that's what kind of gave him the green light to say, "I think I can do something more serious, more more broad and sweeping, and 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 um, actually have an audience and actually possibly make some money off of it." Um, so even though it doesn't resemble any of those right. things, other yeah. serialized yeah, graphic exactly. novels, exactly. So yeah. I, I found that kind of interesting. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I I like how he manages to do less with more. I like how he actually um, Smith will take you know a, a three panels in a row, and and the backgrounds will literally remain fully static for all three panels, but they're still something going on like i really like there's a three page panel where it's um phone bone and he's attempting to follow these cigars that smiley bone has left um and he's using them obviously as sort of a you know breadcrumbs-esque kind of trail hopefully thinking that he'll finally find smiley um and as he's picking them up he comes up a ridge in panel one picking one up and then in panel two you see him disappear as he moves out of frame to find the next one and then immediately in the third panel you see something show up right where phone bone was in the panel and it's this silhouette of this really weird unbelievably odd silhouette and you're like this does not bode well like this is this 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 cannot go anywhere remotely good 
and of course it's 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 really less with more because i mean 80 probably 80 percent of those panels is just flat out recycled but it's effective and it's interesting because so many times in modern comics when you spot something like that that's sort of like a real like red flag for some people they're like all right so and so's getting lazy like i get it you know well it's because he was recycling background versus recycling exact same static panel for the action like my problem in comics man i just saw this in jessica jones is like is instead of having a like the page of dialogue between two people, the conversation is just the same exact two faces with panels of each back and forth, and then the dialogue on top of it. I'm like, no, stop! I can't handle this. So, I yeah, he also does a lot where the action will be off screen. So there's this one um, scene I'm thinking of in particular in issue three where. The whole cabin starts to shake when Bone and Thorn are in it. And Thorn is like, oh, Grandma, she's home. And they run to the door to look. And they're gasping and exclaiming and talking about what they're seeing. And you're seeing Bone's reaction to seeing all this. Right. But you're never, you're not seeing any of it. And in fact, you don't see any of it. And you stay in the cabin as Grandma is launched into it, you know? Um, Phony gets thrown into the cabin. No, Grandma gets... Oh, you're right, and Grandma just stomps right, in. Yeah. You're right, you're right. Anywho, the point stands that you don't see this huge, exciting thing that they're witnessing. You're watching them witness it and react to it, and I think that's really fun. And it's really, really effectively done, too. And and, and I think from a plot standpoint, there's also sort of an attempt to be economical. I think um, when you have sort of the showdown between um, the dragon and... Do they ever get a name? The rat creatures? We'll just call them the rat creatures. Um, when you have the showdown between the dragon and the rat creatures on, you know, on They the, are literally called the rat creatures. Yeah. As far as we know, they haven't been given any other names yeah. at this point. Um, and there's sort of this, like, tense sort of standoff, and it, you wonder at, which, at what point it's going to just turn into, like, a huge all-out brawl, and it, instead it becomes this very, very, very tense staring down moment and because of that jeff smith never ends up having to draw like an action sequence with the dragon you know swatting and fighting off seven or eight of these weird bizarre yet oddly still kind of lovable and weirdly cute at certain moments uh creatures and and it's interesting because i sort of asked myself why is this kind of consistently happening in this book and then it kind of clicked with me a little bit that there's something funny about how when you have a um, a cartoonist, a.k.a. someone who's drawing and writing, even though I still somehow also don't call all people that both draw and write cartoonists, but Smith has been labeled as a cartoonist, so I will leave that label where it is. Don't overanalyze this, Nick. Jesus. And and it's, it's kind of funny how when you're the guy who's also having to draw your own script... Uh, I can only imagine there's a real inclination to not give yourself more trouble than not. Whereas if you go on Twitter and you look at certain like comic book artists. Yes and no. I mean, I'm thinking about the scene you're talking about and it wouldn't have made sense for the characters, for the rat creatures to all attack either. None of this stuff. So the stuff you're talking about with the static backgrounds and the having not having crazy action scenes. I mean, because like, there's lots of action Well, it's never in book, drawn out. But, and so having know. a more minimalist um, thing. Okay. I didn't notice when I read through it. You know, there's plenty of stuff that happens on 
on screen, I mean, the whole thing is movement, right? The character's moving through panels and having... No, but I'm talking like like super detailed, highly intricate, drawn out, massively You're thinking like Batman action scenes. Yeah. Yeah. But that wouldn't make any sense with the tone of the book. It wouldn't make any sense in particular with the characters of the rat creatures. For who we've met and for what we know, yes. Yeah. Right, this is for it volume one. It wouldn't be one. tonally correct with the characters we know, yes. I get the I get the feeling this book could get violent at some point, you know? We, oh, I've, I've read stuff that says it goes from being, like, happy, fun to more... Like, it has a very uh, Tolkien kind of arc where sure. it goes from being more happy and funny and this and that to being much more... This is an adventure book mm-hmm. and it's fantasy and it gets, you know, that kind of... Um, so, I don't know. That's all hearsay. I have not read farther. I'm definitely going to read farther. This was the I like volume one enough to go out and pick up the omnibus, which you can now get. Otherwise, it's in nine volumes. Yeah, um, yeah. Which you can also get. That might be an easier way to read it. I don't know. Comicsology, I think, has this the omnibus for not terribly expensive. It's twenty. Yeah, so. yeah. I will. I will say that having you know, I read the colorized version because that's what my library has, and I. It wasn't that the colorist did a bad job. It's that you can tell it wasn't originally intended for color. and At least as someone who reads comics fairly regularly, right? Yeah. And so yeah. I would much prefer... like Obviously, you know, there's that whole thing. Like, oh, read it in its original form. Yeah, that's true, too. But in general, I think this would be better as inks as it was intended. And of course, because you're drawing the inks as if it's not going to have color. And so, you know, I, anyway, so when I pick it up you know purchase it i'm going to be purchasing it in its original form yeah the black and white and it, it does serve to obviously point that out to our listeners that there are different formats and there are different ways of getting yep. this and so just be mindful of what's out there um obviously the colorized versions are more new and more expensive and if you wanted to uh, like i said the um the colorized individual books right now are ten dollars on comiXology the entire thing in black and white is 20 um, so it seems like a pretty clear cut answer for me, but I realize for some people, maybe they want the color. And, and on top of that, I guess if you're a true boneaholic, that doesn't sound good. Um, <laughs> oh, if you're innuendo. bone boner, I don't know. Uh, if you're a big fan of the series bone, here we go. Not very catchy, but it's not as sexual. Um, be aware that certain editorial changes, slight ones, were actually made with the colorized version. Some of the panels have actually been rewritten, apparently, and certain pages have actually been either added or removed in the colorized version. Yeah. Huh. Um, well, I'll have to go back from to read from scratch then. Yeah, I don't think it's. Did super he oversee frequent. them? I would imagine oh, I, he did. I, think, I mean, I think he. I good God, if he was not the one doing it, I would be yeah. shocked. It might have been some of the stuff to deal with the whole scholastic audience because the book does have drinking. The book does have gambling. That's true. Uh, and book one has a lot of discussion about gambling. My goodness, uh, there's a lot of gambling going on. And um, so it, it, it is worthwhile to mention that. It is what actually ended up getting this book on one of those big ooh, American Library Association banned books things. Uh, back in 2013, it was on the top 10 list of most frequently uh, requested to be removed slash put in the adult section of, of books in America. Um, so Wow. Yeah, um, that, that happened. Now I'm interested where my library would shelve this. I, I found it because I put it on yeah. hold, you know, requested it. 
Uh, so I just got it on my little, you know, delivered yeah. to me kind of thing. I mean, so far, volume one, I would say pretty, you know, it's 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 pretty family friendly so far. Who knows where it's going to go? But I'm sure if most people watch the first 20 minutes of Lord of the Rings, they're going to be like, are these people ever going to leave this place? They keep talking about it, but it's never going to happen. They just keep eating and shooting off fireworks. So um, <laughs> That's basically all hobbits do. <laughs> and we all know where that series goes. So, um, you know, getting stabbed by ring wraiths and shit. So I, I expect the same level of, um, uh, oh, crap, uh, kids, it's time to go to bed uh, with this book, too. So I, 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 I share your enthusiasm, and I think that I, I, I'm very interested to see um, I mean, with eight volumes to go, my goodness, like maybe wh- like what's left for this series? Like, um, yeah, very curious. Yeah. Any what what are your thoughts on some of the other characters in this book, Kate? I uh I really love I really thought Ted the Bug was great, but then when you meet Ted's bigger brother, I was like, Oh my goodness, this is amazing. I know, right? That's another one of those joke pacings with the panels that are is just so spot on. Perfect. I I rarely laugh out loud at comic books, and this is one that had me chuckling to myself repeatedly. So um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, uh, I I thought some of the more you know weird characters were pretty enjoyable, and I think one of the other more hilarious gags for me was um, when they're like, "Winter sure arrives quick," and then you basically see what looks like a giant yes. flapjack of snow like falling from the sky, and it just hits the ground and it looks like winter all of a sudden and it's like oh they weren't kidding i really like the character of grandma and her interactions with phony where she's like i am not putting up with this and basically treats him the way that you because you you saw him earlier basically walking all over smiley and phone and so later when he she she stands up to them the way that you you were like yeah yeah kind of thing and then he of course doesn't learn and goes off to the village to create more problems i'm sure yeah grandma's fucking ripped she she is ripped and she is not taking any from anybody yeah yeah uh i i the other thing i find really interesting is that the character mix is a very interesting blend of like normal and fantastical like you have small bugs and you have human you know what appear to be very normal humanoid looking people uh coexisting alongside like bone although you know he's not from there uh and and you know giant oversized bugs and and dragon which i love the dragon especially because you have this this thing that doesn't seem out of doesn't seem out of place and you know vaguely any sort of um fantasy fantasy verse i mean the dragon is basically you know it's it's one of the obligatory you know check off things on your list and yet everyone in this universe is like dragons are you serious like yeah we have everything else but dragons are not a thing okay um and i i i got a i got a kick out of that um especially as as you go through the book phone bone uh, continues to interact with this dragon um progressively more and more throughout the book and yet no one else ever sees him so it kind of turns into one of those gags where it's like is he crazy well we know he's well we think he's not crazy um that or this book just got into a very serious yeah. portrayal of mental illness but um <laughs> which i mean guys there's eight volumes left just hold <laughs> on um but 
it kind of turns into one of those gags that you've we've all seen in cartoons or something like that where you know the guy just keeps disappearing right in time as the other characters turn around or or things like that so yeah i loved i love the scene where he's talking with uh thorn out at the well and then about it and then the minute she walks away the dragon pops his head up out of the well and he's like oh you know you're so annoying kind of thing right Um, right right and the whole, well, you believe in rat monsters, but you don't believe in the dragon? Um, I, I'm i interested to see in future volumes we had at the, I think it was issue five of this volume, we see kind oh, of a flashback yes. nightmare of thorns yes. um, back to her childhood when she's a little girl, and I'm interested to see where that goes. Um, obviously, there's going to be the whole throwdown of whatever mess uh, Phony has created in town, and his mm-hmm. he's trying to set up a gambling racket of some sort i when you talk about there's a lot of gambling in this book i'm like is there okay that's definitely something they cut because he there's discussion of it but i don't think you really see any in the one i read oh no no, that's that's what i'm saying like you get a big detailed breakdown of like how phony's going to do it and how they're going to he talks with smiley at least in my version for a couple pages discussing how they're going to make it work huh um, with the whole ca- the, the whole cow yeah, costume, it, did you? Not I got the cow the- costume, but it's maybe a page. And he's like, "I'm and- gonna get you a cow costume, and we're gonna have people place bets to me, and you're gonna throw the race." And he's like, "Okay," and that's hmm. like the whole thing. So yeah, maybe, that's definitely that something that got cut in yeah. the Scholastic version. I mean, like it's still there, but they condensed it down to a more kid friendly. Yeah. Thing. I mean, I, I think for me, and it's only coming to me now, but the biggest mystery of this book is. What in the world do people want with Phony Bone? Well, it's not people. It's the hooded one. And why is the hooded one seeking them? Yeah. Well, I, I meant it in a colloquial form, <laughs> Why does... Is it the hooded one? Yeah. The hooded one? Yeah, that's why, the name. Why is he so important to them? Or is this a weird... Another weird case of mistaken identity on top of the... Uh, which, oh, yeah, that could be. Well, it could be, except they they identify... They, they, they grab phone incorrectly one time so clearly he's looking for a bone right right that sounds awful oh man this book <laughs> this book that's the real things. reason it got banned from middle schools too <laughs> ma- too too ripe of material for those adolescent jokes we can't have kids talking about bones all over the place they also got oh, rid man. of all of the classroom um erector sets yeah oh god (laughs) but yeah like that that is this great burning mystery throughout this book and it's a perfect one because what does some huge overarching evil force want with a low-level racketeering schemer uh Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's a great it's a great question yeah 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 exactly um and how long have they been trying to get their hands on him? Is it only when he shows up in their universe, or have they been following him even longer? So the hooded one's like, "I'll see you in court." <laughs> <laughs> it's one of Small his scam claims victims. Court, preferably, yeah, one of his victims. Man, I think if if there's one more scene to bring up that was just sure. that really did it for for me in this book was. When Thorn saying, "Okay, I'll chop the wood while you gather," f- I think it was mm. gather firewood, right? And Bones like, "What? No, I'm uh, the man. I'm gonna chop, chop the, the wood, wood while he does the dishes." Yeah, there you go. That's yeah. that is more. Yeah, because he's like, "That's woman's work," and men chop wood and this and that. Yeah. And she's like, 
He says you've got uh, it backwards. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he goes to try and chop the wood, and of course the axe is so high up that he's just dangling from the handle. And she's like, "What do you think you're gonna do?" <laughs> like, I'm doing chin ups she, or whatever. But it's, he it's says. not even yeah. like it's this big intense discussion about it or whatever. Like, oh, let me educate you on your backwards ways phone. It's she's just kind of laughs at him. Like that's that's comical. That's ridiculous. Your yeah. your ideas of this of these gender roles are silly. And that's it. There, you don't even. She doesn't even say that. She just kind of raises her eyebrows and smiles, which I think is perfect and beautiful. Did you know that May is Lupus Awareness Month? Lupus is one of America's least recognized major diseases, affecting more than 1.5 million Americans. It's more common than cystic fibrosis, leukemia muscular dystrophy, and multiple sclerosis combined. Lupus is a chronic autoimmune disease that causes the immune system to attack the body's own connective tissues and organs. This includes joints, kidneys, heart, lungs, brain, blood, and skin. To find out more about lupus and how you can help, please visit the Lupus Foundation of America online at lupus.org. Thanks for listening to the I Read Comic Books podcast. This episode was produced by Mike Rappin with editing by Xander Riggs. Special thanks this week to Nick White and Kate Scotchless. The music in this episode is brought to you by our favorite band in the universe, Infinity Shred. You can find Infinity Shred at infinityshred.com as well as on Bandcamp at infinityshred.bandcamp.com. If you enjoy this show, tell someone about it. Rate us online. Write to us. Each person you tell about the show and each rating you give us lends a little more exposure to the show and helps us grow. You can email us at ircb at destroythesibe.org. And if you want to talk comics with us, find the I Read Comic Books group on Goodreads. We have a monthly book club that we feature on the show, and we have regular threads about what comics we've been reading. If you want your thoughts on the book we're reading to be read on the show, make sure you join our group and comment. You can ask us questions and comment on each episode on our subreddit at ireadcomicbooks.reddit.com. The entire podcast team is on Twitter, and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast for updates and ridiculous retweets. But a great way to experience the podcast, including our back issue bin of episodes and our weekly pull list posting, is to visit our website at ircb.us. Until next time, from all of us here at the podcast, thank you for listening.